Hey, it's Sunny here. We do talk about suicide in this episode, which I know can be distressing. So if you need resources or support, go to beyondblue.org or if you need 24-hour free counselling in Australia, the number for Lifeline is 131114. Please look after yourself. Today's episode is a very special one. I've been running the podcast for nearly four years now and what continues to give me a smile and the passion to continue doing this is giving incredible folks like James the platform to share their story. And every time a story like James's comes by, it makes me realize that many of us feel as if we're on this journey alone. But little do we know, many of our brothers and sisters are on the same journey. Together, we are stronger. When the pandemic struck, James found himself isolated for the first three months of lockdown, separated from his partner and three daughters, alone in a small house down south in the UK. Many things had slowly bubbled away up to a point where he reached a breaking point and attempted to take his own life in March of 2020. There have been some bad days and there's been some good days, but the power of a single conversation can change someone's day from bad to manageable. Some of you are already lucky enough to have James in your life. I'm just so grateful to have come across him in 2024. Here's James Tierman. You know, for, for many people listening in, um, some of them might have seen some of the posts that we've had coming up to this episode and the the video that you shared on LinkedIn. After I saw that video, I reached out to you almost immediately, knowing that this was a story that we had to share, um, because I think it spoke to a lot of what many people felt during COVID, but only very few are brave to, I guess, share that on a public forum. And before we kickstarted this one, I was just looking through some of the comments that came up and it brought a smile. Uh, and it brought a smile for many reasons. One is just the kindness and empathy that people shared. But also, surprisingly, you know, LinkedIn is seen as this professional platform that people almost have to like put on a mask or a guard on. But, you know, mm. that post had over 8,000 likes, even more, so many more comments. And people had come on and so openly shared even snippets of their own life and what they had been going through. And, and, I don't know whether you had the chance to read all of them, but you know, one one that came out to me was, um, we are not weak by crying or needing a hug, but strong for sharing our emotions was one that one that uh, sang out to me. And also another one, which is life is hard sometimes, but also full of pleasure, joy, and privilege. So, um, you know, like just reading those just gave me a massive smile. Um, and I wanted to ask before we kind of uh, dive into the guts of your story and a lot of different aspects of that. Um, how would you describe yourself? Like, who is James Tyerman? Wow, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great question. I think, so, yeah, I think, um, so I guess I'll give, you, I'll give you the now, like how I, how I see myself kind of now. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dad of three daughters. Um, so I'm surrounded by women uh, all my life. I've got three sisters as well. Um, and... Uh, I get a mixed reaction when I tell people that, but I, I find myself incredibly lucky um, to have three daughters. They're, they're amazing. Uh, they're still quite young. So um, my youngest is four and my eldest is is 10 at the end of this month. Um, I've got a, a, a beautiful partner called Natalie um, who supported me through a lot, um, gave up um, a lot of her career, if you like, for, for, for mine um, before we had kids um, moved down south uh, you know 300 miles down the country and she's given a lot a, a lot for me um, and, and there is a part of that in the story we, I'm sure we can get into that a bit later on but um, but yeah I think um, past rugby player so used to play rugby um, I no longer play rugby um, due to injuries age and <coughs> my certain fitness levels at the moment um but it's it's something I follow. I watch uh, a lot of on the TV. Obviously, a you know relatively successful World World, World Cup for, for England. Uh, but we should probably shouldn't wow. get into that kind of discussion <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I've, I've always been quite quite extroverted. I work in technology, so um, work in the utility sector in the UK. Um, but yeah, very much uh, a bit of a geek uh, when it comes to technology. Always have been. There's a good part you brought up there around being surrounded by women. Uh, it often comes as a surprise to many folks. Those like, you know, Bottled Up is a men's mental health podcast, but 
35-ish percent of our listenership is women. Um, and I think that touches on what you've mentioned, which is mm. women play such an important role in the lives of so many men, uh, often in the background. And um, Massively. I hope we can continue to celebrate that. Um, and I'm like incredibly happy you even brought that up because I think something that's that's something that often just gets overlooked. Yeah, no, massively. And I've, I've never had that kind of um, male friendship group. Um, obviously, I played rugby, and but I've never had those kind of close male role models. So I've always had, um, you know, my partner, my kids, uh, my parents around. And, um, yeah, women definitely have um, a massive part in my life, but also in general for men's mental health. Because um, I think... Females yeah. are naturally more empathetic. Um, the men, they have um, probably an easier time yeah. opening up with their feelings to each other, but um, yeah. men and, clearly struggle um, with that. I do, I think a big focus of our conversation will definitely be on you know, the LinkedIn post that you shared, some of the comments, and also the story that sits behind it. Mm. But, um, you know, I, you're, you're in the UK, is that right, at the moment? Um, yeah. And, you know, like I, um, yes, yeah. we had uh, uh, Terry Cornick come on yesterday to speak on, uh, speak on the podcast. That one is still yet to be published, but he's the founder of an organization called Mr. Perfect. And he's from the UK itself. And he was comparing Australia to the UK. And he says, obviously, the drinking culture in the UK is quite big, especially on like Friday, Saturday, Sundays. And mm -hmm. uh, people often drink just to run away from the problems and then just rinse and repeat and that seems to be a, a big culture in the UK I mm. sort of saw that when I was in the UK for two months last year you know I would love to just touch on that if, if we do get the chance but you posted a very touching video um, on LinkedIn um, just a couple of months ago uh, last year and mm. that was the impetus for the reach out but for those for those listening in you know what was that LinkedIn post uh, that you did publish and what was the story that sat behind it? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I posted something um, in, in December uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on any other social media platform. Uh, well, I'm on Instagram, but I don't actively use it. Uh, I'm on Instagram to um, my kids do dance, and I um, they post pictures of their progress on, on Instagram. So I like to, to watch it on there. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't post pictures on there or, or, or in, I'm not on Facebook or MySpace back in the day. when I, <laughs> I, I gave that up a long time ago. But, yeah, so I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and I think um, that's driven from kind of my professional ambitions and my drive. And I think LinkedIn is obviously that professional platform for building networks. And I, so, so just coming back to the post, I think the post for me... Uh, was interesting. I've been wanting to post it for quite a long time. November's known as Men's Mental Health Month, um, driven by the Movember Foundation and and so on. And I used to grow a moustache uh, every year. Um, but then I don't, I don't look great without it, so I kept it. But I, I wanted to post something in November, but it was still quite raw. So basically at the beginning of November, um, I have suffered for depression for a number of years now. Um, at the beginning of November, um, I'll, I'll just be blunt. I, I, I was going to end my life. Um, I'd made a decision to do that. Um, I was walking home from a, a school run and uh, I just started crying uh, for no reason. Um, and I kept thinking, why am I crying? You know, what, what's going on and uh, what's causing this kind of emotional response? And I, basically, I couldn't get out of that loop. Um, I started thinking, you know, how I was how I was lost, I was stuck, right? Um, I didn't have any feelings for my kids, uh, my closest relatives. Um, and I, we can dive into that a little bit later on. But effectively, I'd made this decision Um to to end my life and I was getting home uh, I've got a ring doorbell um, and my neighbour was stood outside and she'd mentioned something about taking the bins out for because it was like bin collection day or something so she'd mentioned something like that uh, I was uncontrollably bawling at this point and uh, she said oh, oh James are you alright and um, uh, I said I just I just collapsed basically you know keeled over and was just like no I'm you know I'm broken um, and she came over she gave me a hug 
uh, which you know I'm, I, I enjoy her great so um, that was probably the best thing she could have done in that moment um, and effectively she said some stuff and we can dive into that a bit later um, that that helped me in that moment change my thinking change my course of action and ultimately save my life that's how, how I see it and um, she reassured me and all that kind of stuff and basically the ring doorbell captured all of this moment um, with sound um, I didn't post the video with sound uh, I think that was probably a step too far for me at that point because it's still quite raw this was only what two two months ago um, and I put it on LinkedIn so I put a copy of the video and a little bit of that story a little bit of the background um, and preempting a question maybe why, why did I do that um, I honestly um, it was for me to just be a reminder to everyone to be you know uh, words are powerful right so just to be just to be kind like just think about how you say stuff words you might use um and i'm not going to sit here and and say you know everyone should you know pause for 10 seconds before they say everything and think and just make sure everything's kind of course there's the scenarios where that's not always going to be the case but i think just be i think covid introduced a lot of remote working a lot of different social interactions in terms of less small talk and lots of transactional conversation and by doing that you forget there's feelings and people at the other side of the screen um and it's it was more a reminder to do that and um the, the reaction it's had is 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 amazing um you know it's had nearly nine thousand likes now nearly a million views and uh, 500 reshares and stuff like that and uh, like you say, some of the comments, uh, you know, I have read everyone. Um, I haven't responded to everyone. Um, I didn't want to start doing that because then I, I'd have felt like I'd have to respond to all of them. And um, but you know, people have private messaged me. You know, you reached out and and thanks for inviting me on the on the podcast. Um, I think it's a really important thing you're doing. Um, and I think if I've learned one thing from that post is that it is a huge problem. Um, not necessarily suicide, but just people not being able to get the help they need, um, people in the same boat. And um, my intention was to remind people to be kind, but the response I've had is that the post has helped lots of people um, and has been allowed people to open up and relate. And I think um, that was never my intention, but is such a, a powerful uh, result of of that post i know um man just thank you for sharing i um i i can feel it in your voice and i, I can feel it in the way you share it's it's never easy um there's there's a story be behind every word <laughs> that that gets shared and and um you do a fabulous job of articulating that and sharing that with such like you know empathy and kindness and like um yeah, I, I, I just feel like we just need more of this. And, and my philosophy has always been the more positive content that we get out there and content like this that we get out there, the more people see it. And then the more it almost becomes like this subconscious flicker that goes off and, and allows or gives permission for even others to share their own story. Um, and for you, um, there's, there's something very powerful in a hug and something very powerful in, um, I don't know what the, the right words are, but I'm almost just touching on like perhaps the small exchange you and, um, you know, her had, uh, when she gave you the hug and, and shared some kind words. Um, how, how did you feel in, in, in that moment itself? Um, cause often people like, you know, um, just reading through the comments and we've had a few others that have come on and, and shared their story as well. It's, when you're in the midst of that darkness, um, it's it's as if you feel as if no one cares or um, uh, there's no feeling for anyone else and this is the most rational thing to do. But, um, yeah, I, 
to the extent that you're comfortable, just, you know, that, that exchange and um, kind of the feeling that you had at that moment, realizing mm. that there was someone else there that cared. Mm. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's exactly it. And I think I'd spent 10 minutes of that journey was, was, um, was on my own. Um, I dropped the kids off at school. I'd started walking home. Uh, I'd got this incredible feeling of, of loneliness. Um, like you say, that no one cared. Um, that I think part of it's that I wasn't understood, that no one understood what I was feeling. No one was telling me how to fix it. I like to fix problems. So, um, you know, why, why couldn't I fix this instantly and, you know, just get on with it? And why was I overthinking everything? And why was that, you know, suicide my, my only option? And th- that feeling just uh, exponentially grew on my, on my journey home. Um, I, I rang my dad before that interaction on my doorbell and I'd like to say it helped um, and I, I think it did distract my thoughts for a moment and I rang him and I said well I didn't say anything I was crying so he said oh you know what's up I said oh, I just I can't I can't do it anymore um, I, I'm, I'm broken I'm lost uh, and he said to me oh I'm just in a I'm just in a shop at the moment just buying some trousers <laughs> and People might go, oh, that's a bit of a weird thing to say. But I think your parents know you quite well. I think that was probably one of the best things you could have said because it stopped me thinking what I was thinking and was like, why is he telling me he's buying trousers? That's like the weird thing. <laughs> um, but I, whether it's a generational thing or something, I think my dad's never really understood mental health I think he comes from whether it's a generation or from a, a group of people that just go uh, you know suck it up man it up that, that usual yeah. phrase and I think he gets that I struggle but he doesn't know the right things to say um, if there is a right thing to say um, but you know that, that was an interaction it ended quite quickly and it, it, it distracted me for you know a couple of minutes but then afterwards perpetuated my thoughts and I started you know thinking oh why didn't that help and it it made my situation worse and I got to the point where I was getting home and this is what you'll see on the video on the post is I'd I'd been more sure than anything that I was I was going to go and end my life and the neighbor saw me and in that moment she her first reaction was to run and give me a hug and from that hug I felt two emotions one was like oh I'm not sure I want a hug versus wow this is this is nice this has made me feel safe uh, and secure and uh, I mean it was a it was a bear hug right it was a tight hug yeah it, it was nice yeah. it made me feel all fuzzy <laughs> right? um, but the one thing that, that sh- uh, my neighbor said was that um her partner had gone through something similar. That was it. I was like, okay, I'm not alone anymore. Someone else has had this. Someone else will get me. Uh, someone else has understood it, uh, been there, and is is still here and has got through it. Uh, and that was everything. Everything else she said was kind of a bit of a blur. Um, the only thing I kind of held on to was that I wasn't alone. Um, that there was another problem and and all of this point she was cuddling me right she was giving me a hug um and whether it's that childlike response of feeling safe and secure in in someone's arms um i think uh and i'm doing it now i'm looking um to the side uh, i'm not giving you eye contact and i think I did, I did the same with my neighbor when i was talking to her about what i was feeling I, um I still feel uncomfortable kind of or it's that kind of initial response of oh I'm not sure I should be sharing this or should be talking about it um that means I'm not able to kind of hold that that eye contact that I normally would um so yeah I I I I felt safe in that moment to to share um with her um and similarly that then gave me that desire to 
I guess help others and try and tell people hey that you're not alone there is people that have gone through maybe not the same scenarios but the same responses the same feelings the same emotions and the the biggest thing you can do is talk I was always quite skeptical of talking um uh, but yeah I think the biggest thing you can do is is find someone you can share that with um but also you know if reach out to your closest people and just say you know you hear it all the time don't you You say oh are you really okay but I think there's the other questions um you know that will dive a bit deeper into how they're feeling you know um you know how did you know just changing some of the words you know how did you feel about that or you know try and get them to share more openly their emotions and stuff and I think um yeah just be kind I think um to your to your relatives to your family to your friends and colleagues um it's the biggest thing this world needs right now i think it's often people that have come to the other end of that or people who are much older and look back at their life and they often get asked like what's the what's the one lesson that you want to impart onto the next generation or or younger folks and it's just be kind it it Mm. costs nothing Mm. but um sometimes we forget it huh (laughs) like in this in this day and age where uh, as you mentioned like sometimes things are transactional or sometimes it's from one like we move on from one thing to another we kind of forget that kindness is the one thing that's gluing us together and um i would like to think that you know since november or since december now that you've like seen some of the stories that have been shared you know in the comments and then also like you know anecdotally like from doing the podcast for the last three and a half years um i don't know whether this is the right right way to look at it but you know, whenever I come across perhaps like a situation that might seem quote unquote odd or perhaps someone's had like, it's been a rough encounter or whatever it might be, my default assumption is there could just be something going on mm. because like we've, we've seen that many, like Bottled Up has seen that many stories. You would have seen in the comments as well, a lot of stories of people sharing and it almost shifts your perspective. Um, someone's always got something going on and like, I think that then equips you with the power to try and be kind mm. um, because you never know what could be that 1% that tips them over and um, yeah, takes them down a whole different path or, or spiraling thoughts. Um, and I wanted to ask one, one thing you mentioned in your post itself was the COVID period, the lockdowns, your wife being away, and then also similarly like feelings bubbling up and being bottled up as well. And um if I could, again, um, to the extent that you're comfortable, like, what what was that period like for you? Um, you know, like, especially with loved ones away being being so far away and being thrown into the chaos of lockdowns. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think just um, picking up on something you said there, I think um, something someone said in a conference, I think, once was uh, a quote that's, um, everyone has their own dragons to slay. Uh, and I think that resonates a lot with me in terms of, you know, I think you hear the phrase, oh, it puts it into perspective, you know, if they think something's worse than, you know, your own situation. And I think when people are suffering with um, depression, anxiety and, and things, I think they don't, they don't uh, I mean, bluntly, they don't care about that kind of stuff. They care about what's going on and fixing themselves and... Um, making their lives better and I think you know some of the stories shared with me are are horrible and you know obviously I'm talking to a few people and and hopefully hopefully making a difference for for, for them but coming to the kind of Covid thing so yeah this this, my mental health issues started in Covid Um, so March 2020 um, the UK went into lockdown I think much like um, the rest of the world really Um, we Natalie my partner and my three kids were up in Yorkshire uh, which is where we live now um, but I was down south in in, in Hertfordshire a place called Wellington City and we were we were renting down south and my family were uh, Natalie was with her mum and um, we live in a when we were in Welling we lived in a, a really small uh, terraced three beds quite old 
uh, house we, we rented. Uh, we didn't buy a house there. Um, really pokey, really kind of unkempt kind of house. And mm-hmm. we made a decision that it would be easier for Natalie and the kids to stay with her mum uh, purely because I'd be working uh, during the day and uh, Natalie was a full-time mum at that point and there's no harder job than being a parent and no one can tell me otherwise um, but uh, she she full-time parented um, and we said look you probably need some help with the kids your mum can provide that so you, you stay there uh, and her staying there initially was me thinking it might be a week two weeks it was three months um, they were away from me. Uh, the only contact we had was virtual, um, which we've never done as a family. We, I'd always see my kids and uh, quite hands-on, and that contact suddenly went from every day to three months of not having it uh, in terms of that physical contact. And that instilled an incredible feeling of loneliness um i was alone um and i didn't know how to respond to that the only way i did was to work uh and to work long hours to distract myself with quizzes and (laughs) things like that which i'm sure everyone did um and something happened uh, at work. Um, so basically, everyone was moving to uh, you know their video conferencing tools, and that was a new adjustment to everyone. Um, you know, it's not something we regularly did as a company before. And effectively, something happened where someone talked about me on a chat um, that I was still in, uh, and they didn't realise. And normally that wouldn't, you know, I was a senior leader at this business and normally that wouldn't have affected me and I've dealt with it in a, in a human response and uh, mature response and all that kind of good stuff. But that brought some memories back from my childhood of, of, of being bullied, um, some not nice stuff. Uh, I was already in this state of, oh my God, I'm alone. Uh, <laughs> no, one, no one cares about me, no one likes me. And this comment was said... Uh, and it wasn't so harsh, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't horrible. It was just I'd taken this personal. Um, I'd seen it as personal, and uh, that triggered something in me that started uh, a period of time, probably over a week, that um, I was useless. I was worthless. No one wanted me. Um, I felt like, you know, I used work for validation a lot. So, you know, being told I was doing a good job and that kind of stuff. So as soon as someone thinks I'm not, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not any good. Um, And I couldn't talk to Natalie and the kids because of what was happening. And, you know, I think there was a lot of strain on Natalie as well, being apart from me and uh, and just the family home. And uh, ultimately, I, I, I took an overdose and um, it clearly didn't work. Um, I'm not, I'm, I guess, yeah, I won't go into the gory details of it, but it, 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 that was the start that I, of my, I guess, how I see the start of my mental health problems. Uh, and I st- I'm still very much a work in progress. And I think it then transpired over covid that you know i think it, it, i i bottled it up i managed to find a way, <laughs> podcast for no funny <laughs> um, um i i kept that to myself for a long time um i took what i see as a default male action of plowing through not talking about it trying to be you know macho and fix it myself i don't need help i don't need you know antidepressants i don't need to go and see my doctor i'll you know this will pass i'll just just get on with it and i think to an extent that worked for a small amount of time um and then something happened at work again not 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 
uh, detrimental. There was a conversation with my peers around suicide. Um, and they were talking about it. I, I didn't contribute to the conversation uh, because I was just trying not to kind of get give an emotional response. But ultimately, they ended up talking about suicide for like 15, 20 minutes or something. And uh, I was like welling up inside, you know, sweaty hands, started like getting a panic attack almost. And um, ultimately, I ended up crying in this meeting room um, and everyone's like, oh my God, what's wrong? And I said, oh, well, you know, you're all talking about this stuff. Like, you you know, you don't you don't know about it. You're not able to, it's like, I've, I've been there, I've done it. And I let loose in that room that I'd attempted suicide um, probably about a year ago, this was. And this was a year later. And it their response was was mixed and i think that didn't help when um in terms of me being able to share my story further um i i did a i did a post for work and that kind of stuff and i i look back at how that response happened and how the help arrived and and so on and i think there needs to be a lot more um openness of people to 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 share to normalize this stuff you know i was seen as like a bit of an exception or um and i think as a as a senior leader there was lots of thoughts going on in my head in terms of oh, how will this now affect my progression you know i wanted to aspire to be you know cio cto um kind of it director and it's uh, it's still a problem today i think for people is is that i think by sharing there's this stigma attached that it will affect your um progression uh, prospects because people will uh, i put it in the post you know I, I was scared people will see me as weak or not able to handle pressure and you know work it sure is a contributor is a stress contributor but it's it's i love my job i would do it if i didn't want to do it right um and i want to progress and i think um maybe something we can cover a bit later is is that um one of my um friends um that i met recently um said something to me about defining what success means to me um and i thought that was really good um and it reframes you but i think yeah covid was tough i think it was tough for a lot of people uh and i think that's because it was new to everyone um people responded to it in very different ways um everyone had their own situations for it but one thing's for sure it did increase the amount of people suffering um surviving uh with with mental health um and unfortunately certainly in the uk i think the help for that is is struggling to keep up um and i think what we need to do as a, a community you know communities like this are, are massive um because it gives people that outlet it gives people that platform to hear that other people have similar feelings similar uh things going on in their lives and i think for anyone um dealing with mental health i think that's massive so um you know kudos to you for for setting this up and um you know would it be from australia i didn't i didn't know about it but as soon as you messaged me i, I went and looked and you know I, I i i've started listening so um i think it's it's massive what people like yourself are doing and certainly others in the uk are doing similar um, you know, and there's lots of help out there, you know, from a charity perspective. But um, and I think that for me is 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 where I want to spend more of my time, um, you know, and factors in part of what success looks like for me now. Um, whereas once upon a time, it might have been big salary, big, big job, big title. Um, but who's that really for? You know, is that for me or is that just external validation? Right. Um, for me now, it's it's how can I make a difference for, for other people and I think um, I need to shape what that looks like this year but um, 
but yeah, again, thank you, thank you for for setting this up and and being a being a beacon of light, I guess, for for people like <laughs> me. So, thanks. There's um, there's a lot to unpack in that. And yeah, I I um I, you know, just like off the cuff, like often it's moments like this that often catapult people into you know careers or advocacy in the space. Um, you know what's up ahead could be incredibly special. You know as you as you embark on this journey of. I'm, and I'm just putting labels on it, but I'm not sure what it could be or what that vision looks like for yourself. But whether it's being an advocate, um, being more committed to that the mental health space just in general, like, um, you know, you would have received an outpour of messages. And I'm sure within that is a lot of opportunities to speak about your story just like this. And um, yeah, it, it's like the, 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 end, the end of 2024, like I'm incredibly optimistic about it. It will look so much more different to the end of last year um and we can chat more about this offline but um if there's anyone you see on that guest list that we have that you know i can try and broker an introduction to or even if it's um you know i'm I'm not so well spread out in the uk but um whoever there might be there that you see i'm connected to um yeah i like yeah i'm very similar to you like it's it's almost like this internal tug of war around doing this career which sometimes feels like it's not for myself versus doing the podcast and doing these sort of conversations which just gives so much more energy and fuel uh, on a day-to-day basis um i wanted to ask it's um more of a personal question but um i feel like we've probably already crossed that bridge in, in some aspects um you know often there's this archetype around being a husband and around being a man which is you know be the one that cares for the family, be the one that shows up, be the one that um, puts on that front. Um, you mentioned a couple of moments ago around not uh, not sharing wholeheartedly what had been going on in your, your whole world with Natalie or your wife. Um, why was that? And, um, you know, it's almost, there's this like element of mask, I guess there's this mask you have with her you had with her and the mask you had to yourself um i mean i i think i i can sometimes just understand why why that could be the case and it's often like the messaging we get told as, as a male but just hearing it from you and uh you know how did it eventually feel just to let it all out and um you know wear your heart on your sleeve yeah good good question um yeah so i think with yeah i guess yeah it's it's really and it's something i've been thinking about a lot a lot recently is i guess if i just go back to my childhood um my mum was a stay-at-home mum uh as i said i've got three sisters so you know four kids in the house my mum did all of that and my dad went to work um came back my mum did everything else right so i think growing up i saw my dad work and I saw my mum parent um, and whether that has instilled some kind of thing in my head of you know like you said man goes out earns money um, you know and the, the woman in your life or, or your partner does everything else um, and I think those times are long gone uh, and thankfully so Um Natalie is pursuing a career, a career in physiotherapy. She's currently back at university um, studying that. Um, and I'm really excited about her uh, having that passion, right? It's great to see that. Um, and I've got three daughters, and clearly I want that that old-fashioned uh, misogynistic stuff to, to, to disappear and for my girls to believe they can do anything they want. Um, and... There's still that bit of, you know, what does masculinity mean for me? Um, and I think the world as a whole, that 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 that's a question we need to ask ourselves as men is how... And I think someone said it to me at a conference, um, a, a fabulous lady on um, 
kind of diversity, equity and inclusion, uh, I think Susan Levy, she's called, and she said, we need to redefine what masculinity is. Um, and that, that stuck with me a long time. And I think we're very much, as men, you know, whether we feel suppressed or whatever it is, we it, it's not that. We need to become allies of women but we also need, and and that for me is how we redefine what a man is, is is by, you know, supporting women like they've supported us for like forever, right? They do, they just do it naturally. We need to become that person. And with Natalie going back to uni, I ended up doing a lot more uh, parenting, doing all the school runs, taxiing my kids to dance, holding up a full time job, and. That, that's a lot uh, and it made me realize how much work Natalie was doing beforehand you know she was doing that she was doing the housework you know I I, I did the cooking so you know I, 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 I like I like cooking so I've got that the maestro of the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but for me shifting to that made me realize you know look I need to find time to do more of this and I think with Natalie, uh, and coming back to the question, I guess, a bit, I think that just gives a bit of the context. I didn't share it with Natalie because of that. I think she was going through so much herself. I felt like by sharing my feelings, my emotions, and some of the thoughts I was having would add additional burden on on her. Um. So, yeah, whether it's that mask, um, I think for me it was more of a need of protecting her. Um, also worried about her response to that as well, you know, if I shared that with her. Um, but since I have shared, you know, I did get to the point where I needed to share it with her. Um, she She's tried to understand me more. Um, she talks to me at a deeper level now. Um, it has helped our relationship. Um, don't get me wrong; we still have our arguments and and things like that. And it doesn't, it you know, it doesn't get in the way or it doesn't get used as an excuse. We can still have those normal arguments. You know, why haven't you taken the bends out? You know that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and you know, I don't use oh, because I'm depressed as an excuse. It, it, it's just a known fact that I am suffering with it. Um. And that I can talk to her now, which is a massive, massive release point for me. Um, and yeah, it's 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 made us stronger in a in a in in a great way. Um, but it's also allowed me to look at how my role has changed in the family and how I need to do things differently. Um, and yeah, it's exciting. Um, but yeah, I, I'm still very much a work in progress, like everyone is. Um, you know, I think the video I posted was was three months ago, and I've got to recognise that that I I need to to get the help. Still, I need to keep talking, and I think this kind of example and what we spoke about just now is is a great way to continue to talk and yeah you'll you'll also find like these sort of conversations itself is um this is like a form of therapy for me um and i'm sure like as you embark on being a guest on many more podcasts over the year and, and you continue sharing your story like that in itself will just allow you to articulate your story many times over and um it just helps. It just helps, man. It's like, it's, uh, I, I just, I just don't know what I would be doing without stories like this and, and hearing it and engaging in it. Um, I was going to crack a joke earlier, um, with Natalie now starting her physio, uh, career and, and your, uh, rugby career, uh, in the past, I think there, there could be a revival <laughs> on the cards. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, um, just, I'm just waiting for her to do the, uh, the massaging bit, right? I'll just go. <laughs> The, the MVP, yeah. the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to touch on that part around um, uh, being the father to three girls. Mm. Uh, one, um, 
one thing I noticed during university, and I'm sort of, you know, I'm 25 at the moment, uh, turning 26 very soon, and you know, people around me are starting to settle down, have kids. Um, people will have daughters come into the picture, and a big shift I've seen, and I sometimes find it hypocritical, but guys that would be at university that would see women as objects mm. for a singular purpose or whatever it might be, and um, you know do all sorts of things and um you know just just like not be nice mm. and now i'm starting to see more conversations around as like as these same people now start settling down and having daughters of their own mm. being like i don't want my daughter to hang out with so-and-so person which was exactly the person that they were mm. back in the past mm. and it's um i i haven't been able to reconcile those two things um mm. I think I'll just see more of that, I suspect. And, you know, I think it probably obviously always comes from just wanting the best for your own kids and your own daughters. But what has it been like uh, being a role model and being a father figure to like three beautiful and, and young kids that will go on to form their own identity? And mm. they often say, um, you know, Sandeep Vodma, he's a, he's a uh, father to kids as well. And he's often talked about the relationship you have uh, I think it was him, perhaps I've misquoted, but the relationship you have with your daughter um, is often the relationship they will seek in other men uh, down the track. And so it's a very conscious thought around being a positive role model and a, and a positive masculine figure. But yeah, I'm just wondering, like, how do you sort of uh, think about your role as a father to three daughters? Uh, yeah, I mean, firstly, I love that. I love that quote. I think that's. I think that's very true. Role modelling is 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 important everywhere, um, but particularly so in a in a parenting scenario. If I look at how my um, parents interacted with me, for example, and my three sisters, I think as a parent, you tend to take some of those behaviours from your own parents. So. Uh, and some of that style style of, of how you parent. So, uh, you know, if I reflect back on how my parents parented me, I think re- respect is massive in, in in terms of understanding the role of women um, in the family, outside the family, and relationships, and and so on, and I think I I try and do that with Natalie. Um, you know, show my kids how a, a man should treat a lady through how I do that with Natalie in front of the kids. Um, but also being present. Um, you know, it's a conversation Natalie's had with, with me um, previously with the kids. You know, being there for them, showing up, um, pushing them uh, in terms of you know if they've got a dream or an ambition. You know, let not not to the extent of um, I, I don't remember the phrase that you know you go and be a tiger dad or whatever, and you um, but but showing them that anything's possible showing them that they can do anything a man can do but not, not not proactively you know I don't go and seek these opportunities and push them into you know rugby football which are seen as traditionally male sports um, and there's a lot of media attention around that at the moment in the UK with a particular ex-footballer and <coughs> uh, some of the comments they've made around female punditry um but I think it's important that you know women continue to to um, drive themselves, push themselves into those spaces um, because they are good at it. it. What male aren't doing is respecting that and adjusting their thinking to that. Um, they're just expecting women to. To, to go back and do um, you know what they they think they should be doing and for me it's the opposite I, I think there needs to be you know everyone says oh we've had enough of the feminism movement and you know it surely we're at a, you know an equal point I mean we're far from it still uh, we're miles away from it and I think it comes back to that redefining masculinity is is how do we give it's not for us to give but how do we support um 
women, how do we help them achieve um, those, and how do we make it a much more equal and, and fair place? And I, I don't, I don't know the answer, but I, but certainly with my daughters, I will encourage, I will teach them about respect, um, how they should be treated by a man, um, and that that's all I can do and is is role model for my kids and and just be there for them when they need me um and 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 Natalie as well of course um but yeah I I do look and still worry about their future as as females um I, it's it's a scary place still for for females to 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 work to to operate in and um it's our responsibilities as as males to help them achieve what they need to yeah very um very beautifully put james like uh you've hit the nail on the head um i also don't know how uh nearly 50 minutes has passed (laughs) it's uh it has flown by um the I gosh, I, I I still have a lot of questions that I want to ask. <laughs> there's a there's a um, I will continue to ask them. There's that that piece you mentioned earlier around. Um, I think perhaps perhaps what would be most fun of mind is um, many of us have many folks in our lives, and uh, I'm sure someone listening in is supporting someone that's also going through a tough time, and. I think it's always seen as like this 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 dark box even admittedly to myself is like how do you best support mm. someone how do you how do you best be there for them and you know you, you get told just listen don't offer advice but uh I like you know I, I, I agree but I also want to know like what does that look mm. like um what does it look like just listening and and perhaps asking more or asking less um, and as you've gone about sharing your story and, and having people on the other side listening on that, um, yeah, like how is the best way to support? I, I know there's no black and white clear response on this and it, it, it changes individual to individual, but I think as someone who's gone through what you've gone and, you know, having had these conversations, you know, people on the other side, what are the ones that stand out as like wow that person really heard me i feel so much better after that conversation and i feel heard seen felt um mm. yeah it's also it also comes out of curiosity for myself because i i think it's something i need to learn um yeah yeah i mean well you're doing a really good job of, of listening and i think that you, you said it i think to to be heard to be listened to is important and by that i mean not interrupting um body language actively listening and then not listening to then immediately give a response that that's massive um because when certainly myself when i get into a role of talking about how i'm feeling what i'm doing i want to get it all out I, I don't want to be interrupted because I have a flow and how my mind works is, you know, overthinking, uh, constant stuff going in. And me, I, I've been told before I've got a rock and roll style and, uh, you know, I tend to dance about all over the place. And, stuff talking about. Uh, and you might have seen some of that today or heard some of that. Uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard when I've also got the same style. I think as well. So two rock and roll folks <laughs> look <laughs> rock and rolling with each other. It's it's hard to tell. Um, so. But yeah, it's 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 that active listening is the most important thing. Is yeah. you know empathy is a really hard skill to learn. Um, mm. It's not even a skill. It's just a natural response. Being genuine about how yeah. you respond. Nod your head. Um, any any kind of thing is massive for me when I'm talking about how I'm feeling. But coming mm. to the advice pit, I think the worst thing that can happen at the end of that is nothing. If you don't have a story to relate to that person, how they've said, you know, look, I'm struggling with this. If you don't have a story, that's totally okay. You know, they're not expecting you to say, oh, yeah, I went through this is the same and this is how you solve it. They don't want a solution either. 
what they want is well certainly for me I'm not talking for everyone but certainly for me is I want that person's support uh, and genuine support not you know an empty offer of oh I'm always here if you need to talk sure that's great thanks but in certain scenarios I'm not going to just pick up the phone and talk to you I need that yeah. person and, and this is going to sound awful to, to potentially people who message me and said oh, I'm always here but I'm just speaking my mind is they need to be proactive and say you know check in and go look let's let's meet up let's have a coffee um let's let's speak you know give it let's do a bit of a call and you know we can have a bit of a chat and we can find out a little bit more about each other and i think for, for, for me that's really important is that connection you know since covid we've somehow lost the ability to network yeah. and connect with people like you would be able to previously in a coffee shop or in a hotel or um so now i make a conscious effort you know to speak to people when i meet them right so i was in the elevator I, I, i'm away for work at the moment so i'm in a hotel and i met someone in the lift and i just said hey how are you doing you know are you here for leisure or business and you know, we ended up talking about whether the meal, the the restaurant in the hotel was any good, right? And uh, that made a decision for me last night that I wasn't going to eat in the hotel, right? And that's <laughs> some of the best best restaurant food I had in my life last night. Uh, somewhere else, right? Yeah. So making connections is is massive um, for people, um, even though they may not think. I, I think that's important to find out about people's stories. So, um, yeah, when you when you're speaking to your colleagues let's find more out about them right let's ask them a different question you know do you have any pets what's your partner called what's your kids called you know let's make a connection on the a, a personal level as well as a professional level i think is is massively important yeah. um and then your friendship groups you know let's let's make sure it's two-way and, and and not one person pushing all the time um and it just comes back to that be kind message right um which sounds really simple, but just little things like that make a big difference to you as well. You know, so I felt great after that conversation in the lift last night. Um, and like you said, you get a buzz from talking to people on the, the, the podcast, don't you? And I think, you know, that's that's massively important to keep doing that, practice it. You know, I think big thing for me is practice. You know, you're never going to get it right the first time. Yeah. And I think don't be scared to say something just say it i'm sure the other person will say oh yeah. that's not okay or you know that wasn't the response i was expecting you know i think practice and learn um there's not one thing you can say that's gonna fix me um mm. but being kind being empathetic being nice uh, yeah. being oh yeah. that's that sucks I mean, i'm sorry to hear that um, you know, look, if you want to catch up or have a conversation next week or meet for coffee, th that's the best thing someone can say to me is is just yeah. wanting to talk to me, not seeing it as, oh, I'm not sure how to deal with that or, you know, that immediate connection, I think is... You know, you, you mentioned that part around, like, we've forgotten how to network or connect. For me, I'm still, like, retraining that muscle again after COVID and um, it was a, it's, it's still a surreal feeling going over to someone's house and knocking on the door and kind of going inside like a a a very uh, I think the landscape has changed in the last 10 years I think growing up as a kid and during my teenage years we used to just like rock up to someone's house <laughs> sometimes unannounced and, and just have fun but I think that's really changed that game mm -hmm. and we've kind of become a lot more insular because of phones and and things like that so yeah I I think in in this day and age it's almost that self-awareness piece and being able to regulate how we use certain technologies and actually just put ourselves out there is the most incredible thing i know that's very cliche but i think just a reminder again one one other point i wanted to ask um is just the piece around co-workers and the piece around how it's been received you said earlier on around you know that that, that moment in time when you had shared in that room and you didn't get the response you know you perhaps liked or um needed at that point in time but now after sharing your post in december um you know you, you mentioned that piece around you know having that stigma of whether this would impact um becoming a cto or cio or being more senior in your career have you felt that at all um i suspect sometimes it's uh 
almost the opposite but uh, you know i don't want to speak for you so um what has that been like just navigating that and the outpour from people or perhaps challenges that have come with that yeah and you've hit the the one area uh for me that i'm still quite doubtful about um or that i think about a lot and f- for even some of my family and for the majority of my co-workers um that linkedin post was the first they knew i was um suffering with mental health um so my auntie posted on there my gran saw it um you know, my grand's 86 she's or something, and she's on LinkedIn, right? Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, she posts her artwork on there, and I think uh, I, I just think that's fantastic. You know, and you, but but you know, she did find out about that kind of stuff because I posted on it. Um, but yeah, the majority of my my new employment found out about it there, um, and th- there's a post, there's a comment from the CEO of my company on there. Uh, saying that they're always there for me and you know he's spoken to me since and I think the response has been really good from from everyone uh, there's some great comments on there there's been some great p- private messages and people have, have felt comfortable speaking to me at work about it as well so they, they've come up and said hey look I really admire you posting that like even before uh, speaking to you today I still had doubts about whether talking about it being open about it all the time uh, was was good because you feel a bit of a burden on people or you feel like um, you're bringing the mood down all the time by talking about depression and suicide and how you're feeling. It's like other people can't have a good time. So, like, as someone suffering, that's the kind of thoughts that go through the head is like, you know, should I or, you know, should I just put, a, you know, this mask on that you talk about and pretend everything's okay? Um which reminds me of something my sister said to me. One, she she sent me a message uh, and said, "Lots of people say it's okay not to be okay," but she said, um, "Massively disagree with that. It's totally not okay to be not okay. You need, you need to be happy. Everyone deserves to be happy." And I thought that was like a brilliant take on it. I, I get the sentiment <laughs> behind that it's okay not to be okay. And of course, yeah. it's this is part of why I'm talking. It's normal to have these kind of feelings. Uh, well, it's not normal. It's it's common. People have similar feelings. But it does need to be helped. It needs to be supported. It needs to be worked through. And it needs it. people deserve to be happy. Um, and to have a feeling of comfort, say, uh, security, safeness, all that kind of good stuff. And I think by posting has made me rethink whether I want to progress. Like, what what does that bring me? Um, and it comes back to that definition of success. Look, if you if you want to progress, you want to be a CEO, you want to run your own company please go for it i think that's important that you you know that you know that's important to you and that's where you want to get to for me i was in this state of i don't know what i want uh and um i'm pulling all the quotes out now there was something i read the other day i think it's um a book called the horse the mole the boy and something or other um let me just see if i can look it up quick um that's it so uh the boy the mole the fox and the horse um like a kid's book um but effectively um the boy goes into like a forest with the horse and says look i'm lost i can't find my way out and um the horse says to the boy can you see your next step and the boy was like yes and the horse was like take that and he goes i'm still lost i can't see you know my way out and the horse says can you see your next step and the boy says yes so the horse says take that and that that's massive right now for me is I don't need to strive to be, you know, the big boss, the CEO um, for me or for anyone else. What I need to do is just see what I'm doing next and, and, and do that. And whatever else will happen will happen. Um, mm. And I think that's really important for me at my point in time. But I think in at some point, sure, if I think, you know, three years in the future, five years in the future, I think that's great. Um, but I think it's important just to settle back down and go, look, what, what's just next? What's happening now? Being present, working out how you solve your, you know, your current problems and 
for me that 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 that's what I'll continue to do until something or someone tells me otherwise. <laughs> I wanted to ask James just to, to cap it off. Um, you know, we're at the start of 2024, and in many ways, I feel like this episode will be a nice sort of time capsule to look back at uh, when you when you do come to like November. Like, you know, this this you know we're recording this um, your 11th January Thursday, 11th January in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 11th January at night, 7:24 p.m. So that's a that's a date and time stamp uh, on it. Um, how how do you want 2024 to look for you? Wow, I used to do New Year's resolutions. I don't anymore. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. I, I don't think it's on purpose. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I want the end of 2024. I want my kids to be happy. Um, or continue to be happy. I want to be in a better place where I feel like I've made a difference to other people around their mental health. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, but I, I want to have achieved something in that space. And I want to have found my definition of success. And that's a wrap for this episode. If you are enjoying our conversations, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the conversations are recorded in video, so check us out on Instagram and Facebook at our handle at BottledUpOz. Drop us a comment or a message if any of these conversations resonate with you. And most importantly, please share this podcast with anyone who might need it. So as always, this is Bottled Up. Thanks for being part of our family and see you next time.